Blog Talk Radio. about and let's face it the wwe has been hot daniel bryan's been hot 
the the storyline with Triple H. Everything's kind of been going pretty uh, pedal to the metal there in, in WWE. So we've been, admittedly so, we've been pretty WWE heavy uh, for the past few weeks. But a lot of news coming out of TNA. Uh, most importantly, Hulk Hogan, his contract status, his contract is up this week. Uh, spoiler alert, not going to get into specifics. We want to talk about this. It's news. It's out there. Uh, we don't like to do spoilers. We're not going to get into specifics, but it appears as if Hulk Hogan has been written off TV for a taping of Impact. Uh, what does this mean now for the one and only Hulk Hogan? WrestleMania 30, big anniversary on the horizon. Does Hogan sign a new contract with TNA? Do we see Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 30? Unbelievable, huge question marks, Dave. We look at what this could, how this could change the entire wrestling landscape. Well, it's um, it's exciting news for me, at least as a fan. Uh, you know, you you read a lot of message boards and a lot of news well pages and on the, on the dirt sheets, and not everyone. You know, a lot of people are happy he could potentially be gone. Um, some people are. Not so happy he could potentially make an appearance in the WWE. A lot of people just want to see him go away because they feel he's been overexposed in the last several years, especially being a part of TNA. I'll be the first one to admit I wasn't really crazy about him going to TNA. I've always seen him as a WWE, WWF guy. That's what I grew up on. I'm a Hulkamaniac through and through. He was the guy that, you know, got me involved in the wrestling business. Now, with saying that, you know, you, like you said, a lot of question marks go into his status and where he stands. Let's take a look at what he's done for TNA in the, in the first place. He, with his help, you could, you know, speculate whether it was great or not, but they had gone from taping all their television shows to now they go live every other week. Um, they had moved out of the impact zone and on the road, a suggestion that was made by him and apparent, allegedly Eric Bischoff to try and get more exposure. Now, from what we're hearing and what is being reported, there hasn't been a whole lot of there hasn't been a whole lot of revenue coming in for for the company by being on the road. It's costing them more money to go on the road than it is to that, that they're getting in for their return. It's not working out for them right now, and a lot of people are pointing fingers at Hogan and Bischoff for doing that. Um, and there have been multiple times where Hogan has done appearances on television, radio appearances, and there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about TNA wrestling. And he's the biggest, he's arguably the biggest name in the history of the, of the wrestling business. And, you know, he goes on there and he promotes his own stuff. And you might get a mention of TNA here and there, but he's not on there saying, come check me out every, you know, you know Thursday night on Spike TV. Um, I remember there was one time he was on Larry King, and he was promoting his book, and he was with TNA at the time, and there was no mention of him being on TNA whatsoever throughout the show. So it was um, it was quite interesting that at times he wouldn't promote the show itself. Um, being you know, with that being said, I'd love to see him go back to the WWE. WrestleMania 30 around the corner. Hogan was in the first main event of WrestleMania. Um, with Mr. T against Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, the historical significance in that, you know, seeing Hogan come back full circle to the biggest event in the history of wrestling for the company that made him 
I'd love to see it happen. Absolutely. I think it would make perfect sense. There's a lot of things they could do with him if he were to come back. If he were to come back, they could induct him into the Hall of Fame again with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall as a part of the NWO. They could have him induct Randy Savage into the Hall of Fame. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage have been synonymous with each other throughout their careers in both the WWF as well as WCW. They had allegiances there. You could just have him make an appearance in somebody's corner, maybe a special outside enforcer. But I think the 30th anniversary, the significance of it, Hogan being in the first main event, he wasn't a part of the other big anniversaries for WrestleMania. He wasn't a part of 10 because he had a falling out with Vince. He wasn't a part of 20 because he had another falling out with Vince. He wasn't a part of 25, the silver anniversary. The reason why he wasn't a part of that, not because of a falling out with Vince McMahon, but he had back surgery, going through a bad divorce. At that time, it was rumored he was going to face John Cena at that WrestleMania. John Cena is a lifelong Hulk Hogan fan. That's who he grew up watching. So the storyline was going to be John Cena wanted to face his hero on the biggest stage at WrestleMania, but Hogan had to bow out because he needed back surgery badly and he couldn't perform. So being at WrestleMania 30, for me as a Hulk Hogan fan, I'd love to see it happen. And there are many different ways they could introduce him back into the WWE. Um, Considering he's gone through a divorce and had multiple back surgeries, it wouldn't surprise me if he went for the money. I mean, it's all about money with Hogan, so yeah, it definitely wouldn't surprise me if he went. Um, But at the same time, though, there's been times with guys in TNA where they've been let go or their contract runs out, and then there's no word on if they're coming back, and all of a sudden, boom, it's a big surprise. And, and they show up. Devon did it. Matt Morgan did it once. So this could be the same case for Hogan, too. Maybe they're keeping a tight lip that he signed a new deal, and then eventually he comes back down the road. But from what I've read and from what I understand, it looks like that the upcoming episode of Impact, they filmed an angle to write him off the television, and we won't see him for the, the near future at this moment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, everything surrounding what, what could happen here. I mean, and, and you know, breaking it down, when you look at Hulk Hogan and what he has meant to wrestling and what he's meant, you know, break it down what he's meant to wrestling and then what he's meant to TNA. Um, you know, and I do understand that, that, you know, sometimes, you know, things and trends in wrestling, uh, especially with fans, it becomes fashionable to uh, either like or dislike certain guys. Um, I, and I'll say right now, growing up while Hulk Hogan came up, Bar one, Hulk Hogan is, is the biggest star this industry has ever seen. Um, to, to downplay what Hulk Hogan has meant for the wrestling business uh, would really make me doubt how valid a fan you are. Uh, what he did is, is tremendous. Uh, growing up in the 80s, I'm 41 years old. So I saw a little bit of what wrestling was like before Hulkamania blew up. Got to live through Hulkamania in the 80s. Got to see the NWO in the 90s and what Hogan was able to do with WCW in the 90s. You know, he was huge in the 90s as well as the 80s. I mean, we see some revisionist history, but the NWO is bigger, was bigger than DX ever thought they were. The NWO was huge. Um, Hulk Hogan is just the biggest star. You want to debate who is better in the ring, who is better at this, who is better at that. That's fine. But I would say even right now, decades after his prime, if you walk down the street 
and ask someone who doesn't watch wrestling, name a wrestler, I bet at least 50% of those people are going to say Hulk Hogan. So it, it's you, you can't even quantify how much he's meant to the, the sport of pro wrestling. And, it's you know, you cannot like him. But you got to respect what he's done for, for this business. I mean, I look, there's nobody that hates the Yankees more than I do. But I'm not going to sit here and say Mariano Rivera sucks. You know, I hate them. I hate the Yankees. I root against the Yankees no matter who they're playing. But i got to acknowledge that Mariano is the greatest closer ever at this time. But, you know, I mean, you just you have to. So he's meant so much for the business. He's meant so much for WrestleMania. He put WrestleMania on the map. Um, and as you said, Dave, not being here for these important anniversaries, the, the idea of him perhaps being there at 30 is just, to me, great for WrestleMania. It's great for wrestling fans. And on a personal level, I, it, knowing that I'm going to WrestleMania, it, it's just tremendous to think that, like, he might be a part of it. As far as TNA goes, it was weird when, when he joined TNA. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you don't want to see him someplace else, but at the same time, the guy's got to make a living. You know, you know, he wants to be on TV. He wants to be doing something. Uh, his tenure at TNA, I kind of went back and forth on. I liked his role as the GM. At times, I thought, you know, there were certain impacts where there was too much Hulk Hogan on TV. Uh, but that's me as, as a wrestling fan. Um, it, it's tough when you try to equate that and, and think about TV and how, you know, we might criticize TNA. So, in a sense, we're saying, They'll take the most recognizable figure in the history of wrestling and don't have him on your TV too much. And so I I get it. I get where the TV people are probably, all right, more Hulk Hogan equals more ratings. And that might not have been the case. But I understand why they put him on TV. But for my taste, there are times where it's like, pull back a bit. Um, You know, we got to see what Hogan can do as far as charisma and working a crowd uh, with what he did in the uh, infamous street fight with, with Sting uh, when he turned, turned back face. Uh, so, you know, the guy knows how to work a crowd. As far as his TNA tenure, it's interesting because people want to say that Hulk Hogan didn't do a lot for TNA because their audience base really didn't grow all that much during his tenure. And it's tough to talk like that because, to me, it's like you're kind of making every like TNA wrestling and, and impact on Thursday nights happens in a vacuum. And the thing is, it doesn't. Now, as we don't know what would have happened without Hulk Hogan, and everyone wants to point to the fact and say, well, it stayed where it was, so Hogan wasn't a factor. But what's to say that without Hulk Hogan, TNA would have plummeted? We're assuming that TNA could have stayed at the same level without Hogan. We don't know that. We'll never know that. So could Hulk Hogan be the factor that perhaps at least kept TNA on an even keel for this amount of time? Perhaps. It's tough to really gauge exactly the positive or the negative as far as Hulk Hogan with TNA. Um, and it's tough to gauge as far as, like, how much influence he had on creative and what he was doing there. Um, I think TNA, for whatever reason, has had a problem for a period of time with wrestlers doing appearances, doing what they want outside of TNA, and not selling TNA. 
there have been instances where TNA wrestlers were tweeting about other programs while Impact was going on. So there's something with the culture of TNA that it seems like a lot of the workers in TNA are not, like, they don't bleed TNA. It, it's a job for them. It's, it's the best job they can find if they're not going to be in the WWE. <laughs> Excuse me. So, you know, that, that's, that's a problem, and you'd want to see a guy like Hulk Hogan out there promoting your product every chance he gets. I don't know. It's tough to, to gauge what exactly the culture is behind the scenes at TNA. Uh, but when I think of Hulk Hogan, I think about what he's meant to the business. I think about, for me personally, as a wrestling fan, and I look towards, and it's amazing that we're actually talking about WrestleMania 30 here at the end of September 2013, and yet we are. And, you know, if, if this, this move makes sense to me, to this fan, as far as Hulk Hogan goes. And, you know, when you think about, I remember, Dave, you know, I don't know if you recall, like, an episode of Hogan's Knows Best where Vince offered Hogan a lifetime contract. And... He offered him, and essentially, like, Vince would own Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, everything surrounding Hulk Hogan. And Hogan said no, with, with the rationale that there were other things that he wanted to do and was not willing to give it up. Is this the time? He's older. He's banged up. You know, if, if capital I, capital F, if he could ever get back in the ring again, uh, you know, it's probably going to be a one-shot deal. You know, a divorce, the surgeries, everything going on with him. Is this the time in his life that says, you know what? The WWE is where I made, I made, made my mark. I helped create WrestleMania. Uh, I want to go out in my career with the WWE. And you know what? The WWE could sell Hulk Hogan merchandise till the cows come home and Hogan could sit back, relax in Florida and, uh, you know, collect his money from the WWE in this lifetime contract. I, I just, it's interesting thinking about what, where he is in his life right now. Could this be the time where a contract like that makes sense for Hulk Hogan? I, I think it is. I, I think right now, currently it is. The only difference is, is that, you know, now they, now the, the, the control is in the hands of Vince McMahon and the WWE. You know, Hulk Hogan, I wouldn't say he's, I don't know his finances, but from what I've heard, he needs to work because he lost a lot of money and with his divorce and back surgeries are not cheap. It's not like putting a Band-Aid on, especially when he had like eight and ten months or some something astronomical, you know, like that. Um, would he give up the Hulk Hogan name? I still don't know if he would give up the, the brand itself because he makes money off of it outside of the brand. I mean, about a year ago, Hulk Hogan sued Post Cereal because they used a Hulk Hogan character likeness on one of their cereals, cereal boxes, and he got money off of that. He sued, um, he didn't sue, but he um, he, he does the, the ads for Rent-A-Center. Um, he's got his own, you know, he's got the Hogan's Beach Shop that, that's branded, um, you know, with his name in it. Uh, I believe it's, you know, it's trademarked by, you know, by him. I don't know if necessarily he'd give it up. Well, I think he might let WWE have some control over the name, um, where they where both parties would end up, 
making a good chunk of coin um, from the, the likeness, the character, and the trademark of the Hulk Hogan brand name itself with merchandise and, you know, retrospectives, DVDs. And, you know, I, if he were to come back, his role would probably be very limited. Um, it would probably be a few one-off appearances, maybe maybe a role on TV for a short period of time. I don't think it would lead up to a match. I don't think it should, considering his health and his condition. Um, he has when you see him come out of Impact, he has trouble walking ten feet from the from the ramp to the ring. He it's it's, it's painful to watch him sometimes because he because he's he he walks like he's in pain all the time with all the surgeries he's been through. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few one-off appearances, um, promoting the company, um, you know, Hall of Fame appearances, showing up at the Hall of Fame, stuff like that, a uh, couple of TV appearances, you know, DVDs, things of that nature. I don't see him being a um, a focal point of the television product. Maybe if they were to have him acknowledge somebody or, um, you know, put somebody over in terms of, uh, you know, you know, recommending them on TV and part of a story. I kind of look what he did with Chris Saban at Slammiversary, um, you know, kind of passing that torch, so to speak. But I don't see him doing a whole lot for them um, other than just maybe having a good working relationship. And, hell, I mean, there's there's money to be made with Hulk Hogan, but the ball is potentially in WWE's court. Hogan needs them more than they need him. You know, a few years back, you could have said the opposite, but now he's in a situation financially where, from what I understand, he's not doing that great. He's doing okay, but he could be doing better, especially with the marketing machine that Vince McMahon has with that company. He he could probably live comfortably again like he did before all this mess that happened. But the time would be now, considering the, the anniversary, the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania. I said it a million times. They could do so many things with him heading into that WrestleMania. Just just an announcement that he were to, if, if, if they come to terms on getting Randy Savage into the Hall of Fame, by himself, macho man, you would have Hulk Hogan induct him. And Randy Savage's late wife and his brother, whoever wants to accept it, will come to accept it. But they could make huge money off of just Hogan making an appearance at the Hall of Fame, inducting Randy Savage. That's it right there. That's your main event. Or if he were to induct him in as the NWO with, with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. But the time, I think, personally, is now for something to happen between two, the two parties because it just it's like a glove. It just fits perfectly. Hogan, WrestleMania. Enough said. Yeah, it's just hey, you're right. I mean, and I think the way you put it, that that's hitting the nail on the head. Like the time is right. It's 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 now, and it's it's something. I mean, it's amazing because you know, as as big a Hulk Hogan fan as I am, I've only seen him wrestle once live. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough to actually meet him a couple times, uh, but actually seeing him perform, I've only seen it once. Um, and not that he's going to wrestle, but uh, to, to have him be a part of WrestleMania would just, you know, I mean, it would just be the cherry on top of the proverbial Sunday. And, you know, I, I think that if they could come to some understanding, uh, you know, with Hogan being able to keep the name for certain things. I mean, Hogan could also go to the WWE and say, look, you know, with my rent-a-center commercials, with this, with this, with this, this is what I'm making. Can you match it? And if Vince says, well, yeah, I'll match it, but you got to stop doing this, this, and this, and I own this, you know, maybe that's how they come to an understanding. I mean, Hogan's also got to think that, you know, with the WWE behind it, I mean, he's still got this, this beach shop and restaurant. 
you know, the WWE can wind up doing tie-ins with the restaurants. They they do a pay-per-view in uh, in Florida and then some tie-in with, with, with the restaurant. I mean, there's a lot of things you can go in. Even to a certain extent, you know, the, the goofy pre-game they've been doing. Uh, and by the way, Dave and I are still available to do pre-games for uh, the WWE pay-per-view, so give us a call. But they continue to do that. I mean, what, what if you have a Hulk Hogan... On, on that panel, you know, Hulk Hogan being part of that panel for WrestleMania, they're bringing him out every now and again, maybe the, the big four. You know, if he's under contract, you bring him back for for those. You know, you bring him back in a limited capacity every, every so often. I mean, it just, you know, it, it, it's where he belongs, you know, and I think we'd love to see it. We'd love to see the lifetime contract as hell. If he's back in the WWE fold, we see him at 30, maybe they bring him back in some role for 31. I mean, it would just be great to see him uh, be part of that company again, and especially to be part of WrestleMania. So, I mean, that, that's huge news coming out of TNA, and, and the timing of it is just, it really is incredible to see, you know, WrestleMania 30 on the horizon, and his contract is up this week. Uh, I, I would well, you don't think they kept I'm sorry. You know what's That's interesting? Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. You know what's interesting about this, the, the whole the whole scenario is that lately in the you know in the past few years, I mean, even down to the opening montage of the WWE TV show where they show like past and present guys in the in the in the intro before they do the intro to Raw, you don't see Hogan in there, and they 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 had cut out Hogan for a number of reasons because he had worked for the opposing company, whether you call it competition or not, he had worked for the opposing company. And every time Hogan was away from the WWE, there was always, you know, some not bad blood, but some tension amongst him and the company. Um, it, it was it was reported you know, a few years back, before he even signed with TNA, he got an offer from Vince McMahon to do um, to host Monday Night Raw at Madison Square Garden. In fact, that was the night that Roddy Piper hosted it, and that was the night where they did the famous Kofi Kingston did the, the leg drop onto Randy Orton through through the bleachers that you see on the highlight packages now. Hogan was supposed to host that Raw, and he turned it down and, and didn't give a reason why, and then a week or two later, he's at Madison Square Garden announcing that he's signed with TNA Wrestling, and there's been bad blood. There's, I wouldn't say bad blood, but some tension. But in the recent years, He's a part. They show a lot of him in the video game, the clips, um, the Night of Champions pay per view. He he won the the poll as being the greatest WWE champion of all time. They've shown past clips of him, you know, body slamming Andre and uh, other great Hulk Hogan moments. It's not a coincidence, in my opinion. I mean, hell, I didn't go as far as to say this. Triple H, who has been pu- who has publicly made it clear on multiple occasions, he has not been. The fr- on the friendliest terms of Hulk Hogan, gave Hulk Hogan his due as to what contributions he made to the WWE and the wrestling business as a whole recently in an interview back in August. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they that his contract's running out, the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania is coming up. He is arguably the biggest name in the history of the wrestling business. I, 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 see, I see it happening. I, I personally do. I'd love to see it happen. Yeah, and, I, and those are all like really good points. I mean, I was thinking the same thing when he, when they were doing those surveys on on Night of Champions, I was sitting there thinking, watch, Hogan's name is not even going to be on there. 
It's like they're going to leave his name off when they're listing the, the best champions. And, you know, I, I had my say about what I thought about those surveys. And I was shocked was when his name right. was – yeah, but I was shocked that his name was on there, and I was doubly shocked that, that he actually won. And, you know, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I, I damn well believe that half these questions that go on, whether they're on the pay-per-view or Monday Night Raw, on the WWE app, that, that – I don't believe all of these surveys are on the up and up, and a lot of times the WWE is, you know, putting out the answer that they want to happen. That's just me. I'm a conspiracy theorist, but that's what I think is the case with a lot of those surveys. I was absolutely shocked that Hulk Hogan won, that they said it, that they made it kind of a big deal, and it, it, it almost had, had that feeling that they're softening. They're softening on on. Hogan. I don't know if that's part of the negotiations, but uh, you know, even like with the video game commercials, like they made it a point to have uh, you know a Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania version of Hulk Hogan, and an NWR Hulk Hogan both in the, the commercial. Uh, I just I just found all of that incredibly interesting. Where it it seemed like if the WWE could, uh, they would just avoid any and all Hulk Hogan conversation, and yet he's he's kind of been. Entering back in, so it's 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 kind of exciting. I'm thinking that at this point, I kind of agree with you, Dave. I think it's uh, I don't want to jinx myself and say it's inevitable, but uh, I think if I was a betting man, I'd probably bet that he's coming over as opposed to betting against it. But I do think uh, when we look at news like this, that uh, we're going to hear sooner than later uh, where Hogan is going, or at least if he's going to be signing with, with TNA again. And that's the big question now as we get out of the Hulk Hogan conversation and into a little bit of TNA. What does this mean for TNA? Was Hulk Hogan the guy who was holding TNA back? Or was Hulk Hogan the guy that was keeping TNA afloat? What could Hulk Hogan leaving TNA mean for the company? Where is the company going? Do you like what's going on with TNA? We're definitely going to hit you with a little bit of raw pregame. To close out the show, we're going a little TNA right now. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Talking Hulk Hogan, talking TNA, but right now we got a 50-50 news break. Here's Dave. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Dave 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show every Monday night. And our first story, and some rather interesting news to start this week, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, who... Ken and I were guests of during WrestleMania weekend in Massachusetts, New Jersey, announced via Twitter that they have signed Cody Rhodes exclusively to their roster once his 90-day no-compete clause from WWE expires. Rhodes confirmed on Twitter that he had indeed signed, also noting that PWS promoter Pat Buck was his first match he ever wrestled in the beginning of his wrestling career. Most within the wrestling community see this as Rhodes playing along with his firing storyline. It's interesting to note that no official date was announced. So as of now, and considering how the storyline plays out tonight on Raw, time will tell on a Cody Rhodes Pro Wrestling Syndicate partnership. In our second story, and some sad news to report, former WWF star Gene Pettit, a.k.a. Cousin Luke, passed away Saturday morning. Cause of death has still not been determined. However, Pettit suffered from diabetes and multiple sclerosis later in his life. 
Pettit played Cousin Luke, a member of Hillbilly Jim's family, who, according to the storyline, did not know how to wrestle. He was involved in a few programs with the likes of Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, and Jesse the Body Ventura, before being released from the company in 1986. Our condolences here at the Kennedy Show go out to the Pettit family. And our third story, according to the Madison Square Garden website, the WWE is scheduled to return to the venue on December 26th. Tickets go on sale October the 12th. But the real news here is that they have advertised a special appearance by John Cena. It's expected he will not wrestle, but being that New York City is the WWE's biggest market stateside, all hands would be on deck for this big event. And it's been rumored that John Cena would return to the WWE a month later in the 2014 Royal Rumble match. In some TNA news, Mr. Anderson revealed on Fourth and Pain that he expects to sign a new deal with TNA within a week. He said his agent and his lawyer are currently working on finishing up a new deal, and he enjoyed the way he was being used creatively before his contract expired several weeks ago. And our fifth and final story this this week, PW Insider reported last week that Rob Van Dam would work in 90-day blocks in his WWE contract, meaning he'd work 90 days and then take 90 days off. The Wrestling Observer is now reporting that RVD's burial on Monday Night Raw last week by Randy Orton and Alberto Del Rio was a result of him not signing a new contract yet. The Observer notes that RVD's contract is up tomorrow, although he's expected to work at least a week past tomorrow at the Battleground pay-per-view in a hardcore rules match against Alberto Del Rio. Every Friday night, Destination Me TV, 11 p.m., Wrestling on Fire. The host of this show, Ken Reedy, the host of that show. Check it out, Wrestling on Fire, every Friday night, 11 p.m., only on Me TV. And Season 9 of The Gun Show. All the hijinks from Bob Arian, El Rotundo Genioso, and Steve Off continue in the ninth season of the hottest show on YouTube, The Gun Show, Web TV slash YouTube. And... Ken's Cars and Collectibles, 27 Mill Street, Berlin, Connecticut. The perfect place for every sports memorabilia collector. NHL, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, but more importantly for our listeners, Ken's Famous Pro Wrestling Room. DVDs, VHS, action figures, programs, autographed 8x10s, anything and everything pro wrestling, past and present. The Wrestling Room has hosted countless autograph signings with stars such as the Bella Twins, Rhino, Kevin Nash, Devon, Rikishi, Bobby Lashley, as well as all the top independent wrestling stars of Connecticut. So head on over to Ken's Cars and Collectibles, 27 Mill Street, Berlin, Connecticut, and see what this wrestling fan is raving about. And there you have it, folks. That was the Day 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Good stuff, as always, Dave. You know, I'm checking out our Facebook, and head on over to the Ken Reedy Show. Uh, it's facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. And our friend Dank uh, puts up there, Hogan versus Undertaker with The Rock as a special referee. Taker wins and walks out of the ring. And then Michelle DG responds and disappears. Oh, my God. Dank, really? is, Dank is never going to live down his Taker. Disappearing storyline. So hey, on over, join the chat over there on Facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Some good stuff going on over there. But uh, we're on a raw pregame. We're starting off a little TNA conversation and going hot and heavy. So uh, we're going to go out to the phones now. We got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey, what's up, guys? What do you got for us? 
Well, it's uh, I guess we'll I'll stick with TNA. I mean, you know, with Hogan and everything. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was a big fan of his too. But, you know, back in the you know, when I first started watching everything. Uh, but um, you know, I. Uh, I, you know, I can definitely see him showing up, you know, being in WrestleMania 30. You know, I mean, if his deal runs out, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's WrestleMania 30, so I mean, you know, why not? You know, why, why not show up? You know, why not have Mike? You know, it's, but um, as far as you know, it's like the TNA product itself. I mean, I don't know what. It, you know, it's like he was on it. You know, it's like he was he was like open the show all the time. I was, a lot of times it would feel like nights were all all over again when they you know, when, he would, when he would be on, and it was just like. Sometimes he would be very hit and miss, you know, at, at times. And um, this whole thing, you know, with Dixie, I read the spoilers, so I know what's going to happen on uh, on this, uh, you know, on this Thursday. Uh, but um, yeah, even this whole thing with Dixie turning heel, you know, it's like, what? I don't get why they're doing the same storyline that WWE's doing. It's, it's, well, it's, it's like, a good point, Tony. I mean, the one thing that uh, I wonder about about that storyline, it, it's funny because I. I I, I, you know, it's, it's like it, twofold. I, I think it's a good storyline for TNA in a sense that Dixie has gotten a lot of criticism on the internet. Uh, a lot of people are going after her on Twitter. Uh, you know, people not being happy with the product uh, are criticizing Dixie. So it it kind of makes sense to turn her heel and and to go in that direction. I also think, you know, if you go back uh, to when the Mr. McMahon character uh, started, you know, it works well. That whole, like, evil boss thing works really well uh, when, when a, you know, honestly, when a company might be struggling. Uh, you set up a, a, sense, a central heel, a powerful heel, that you can put over faces a lot. You know, you could just use that one person and try and put over as many faces as possible. However, number one, no one's ever going to compare Dixie and Vince McMahon as far as their mic skills. Uh, Dixie, you know, is, is mediocre at best on the mic. Uh, and number two, I think what really hurts her is as much as this storyline could work and may have worked beforehand, but it coming right now with what the WWE is doing, it just screams, let's copy what the WWE is doing. And it might not be what their motivation is, but perception's reality. WWE has an evil COO running things. Well, let's, let's create an, an, an evil power character on our end, and Dixie's going to embody that. So... You know, it's like one of those weird things where I see where they're going with it, but it's really bad timing to try and start this storyline now. Dude, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on Heal Dixie? I mean, it, it makes sense that they're trying to at least acknowledge that she's that she's taking a lot of crap from, you know, the, the Internet wrestling fans. However, like you said, the timing I think is terrible considering, you know, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are doing the evil boss thing on the WWE um, programming and now with Dixie doing it on TNA. And the other thing, too, that I don't like about the storyline is that they're trying to turn AJ Styles into CM Punk with the, the – the pipe bombs, you know, the the the, the um the, the backstage references, the shoot promos that he's been, you know, quote unquote cutting, um, even to the point where the storyline he still doesn't have a contract with them. 
Um, and he's and he has a title match coming up against the world heavyweight champion, similar to the Summer of Punk storyline that he that, that CM Punk and WWE did with John Cena and Vince McMahon at the Money in the Bank 2011 pay per view. So it it just screams like a big gigantic copycat. Even some other stuff on the show too, and I hate to knock it, but they had the Aces and Hates do the Shield triple power bomb at one time. Um, you know, just uh, there's other things about the show that just like screams that they are that they are copying and watching and almost saying like, okay, well they can do that, so let's see if we can do it better. You know, and it doesn't work out that way because people will just see it as a gigantic copycat. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, it's like I say, you know, it's like why well, watch. You know, it's like if you want to see the the heel running, the heel owner or whatever running the show. You know, it's like you got WWE for that. It's like you know TNA doing the same as like hey, let's do you know doing the whole hey let's let's do what they're doing. Maybe we'll, you know, it's like maybe fans will watch us too. It's like you know, it's like I say, if they want to watch that kind of, if they want to watch the storyline. WWE's WWE's got that going already. So it's like you know, even like you know, like AJ Styles, you know. Um, I actually, you know, it's like the whole thing with him not having a contract or whatever, and it's, it's, I, I thought that, you know, like the, the first week, you know, like the, when Dixie actually turned heel, I actually thought that that promo was actually pretty good, but uh, this, this, this week, I'm like, God, it was just like, she comes in. I think with the Dixie, they got to keep like, it short and sweet. I thought, I thought Dixie was okay in the beginning of the promo this past week. I thought she started off strong, but then it seemed like she started rambling. It was almost like she was trying to remember her lines and, like, lost her place. I, I think short and sweet works for Dixie. Uh, you know, I liked it when she kicked AJ Styles out of the ring. Um, but I think with TNA, you know, the one thing that TNA has, and I, I sincerely believe this as a wrestling fan, that uh, as a whole, the matches generally are better than what you'll see on the WWE. The in-ring stuff. They have very solid workers in there, and they put on really good matches. Um, I just think that whatever creators do, and they got to look at things and say, you know, we got to simplify what we're doing here, because uh, you know they they have these matches, you know, with that, you know, the, the opening match with uh, Kenny King and. Uh, I'm brain farting on his name, the greatest man in the world, Austin Aries. Uh, you know that, you know Austin Aries and Kenny King. You know you got a really solid match there. You know AJ Styles. That's a guy that like is is not going to have a bad match. Uh, Samoa Joe when Kurt Angle is there. You know these are guys that that put on really really good matches. Um, it just seems like with TNA sometimes they have a hard time getting out of their own way, creatively speaking, and. Uh, you know, that's that's going to be a problem. And I don't know necessarily what the solution is. I may be simplifying things would be like Hogan leaving and at least Dixie would be clearly uh, running things. I don't know. I just, I would love to see them kind of, you know, work things out because I do think, you know, you got guys in the WWE. I mean, Daniel Bryan is incredible. CM Punk is great. But I think, like, match for match, TNA puts on better matches. You'll put on – there'll be better – a better two hours of in-ring work on TNA than most WWE programming. Uh, it's just the creative seems to me that they, they just have a hard time getting out of their own way. I'm curious, Tony, before I let you go, is there anything, like, in TNA that you really like 
Let's, let's try and get a little positive. Like anything with TNA that you really like what's happening right now? Oh, uh, man, that's really rough. I mean, I guess, you know, I, th- wow. I think Bully, Bully Ray's promos have been good. You know, the whole Aces and Aids thing is is really, like, beyond meaningless right now, right now, and especially after what happened this past week. But I, I've been really enjoying his, you know, his, his you know, his, his heel promos. I mean, you know, it's like he's... You know, I mean, he's always he's always been great at getting the fans to you know getting the fans to hate him. I, you know, I think he's kind of I think he's like the best part of the uh, one of, one of the be like one of the positive parts of the company right now. And even you know, it's like I don't know, you know, it's like another. Well, I won't spoil it, but you know, even Magnus you know, is, is isn't bad in the ring either. I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do with him, but um, you know, I, oh and uh, ego, Kazarian, Daniels, and Bobby Roode. Those guys, those guys are great. Yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy watching them. And those guys, those those guys, you know, it's it's simple and they're they're kind of obnoxious heels and and creatively like, you know, they, I like their promos, I like the talking, I like the backstage vignettes, and I like what they bring in the ring. So that's definitely a positive there in TNA. Thanks for the call, Tony. Remember, Tony is our expert blogger. Check out thekennedyshow.com for Tony's blogs on Raw, Impact, and SmackDown. Thanks for the call. Talk to you Sunday. Oh yeah. Very cool. Talk to you later. Well, good stuff that you know, Tony brings up, and, and it's interesting with uh, Bully Ray because uh, you know Bully Ray is one of those guys. I mean, this this eight and eight storyline, it's an interesting. I mean, for me as a fan, there have been parts of it that I've really enjoyed, and there have been parts that I've really not liked. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those storylines that's kind of peaked in valley for a while. But Bully Ray being in the in the center of it. At least makes it passable because the guy is gold on the mic. Um, what I find interesting right now, and I was a big Oz fan, and I don't know if any of you guys out there watched the uh, show Oz that was on HBO, and uh, screw everyone who thinks the Sopranos were the big cable show that broke all these boundaries when it came to cable weekly television. Oz was the show that broke all the boundaries that allowed shows like the Sopranos to exist and other weekly cable dramas, but I digress. There was a character on Oz, his name was Adebisi, and there was one season where Adebisi finally got a, there's a, a crooked warden uh, moved in to, to run their cell block. Adebisi got in with him, uh, created his own group in the cell block, and basically was running roughshod over the cell block uh, for, for most of the season. He was the, the top dog. He was in charge. But as the season went on, he got so cocky and so full of himself and started turning against people in his own group uh, that eventually it all came crumbling down and led to his downfall. This storyline with Ace and H reminds me so much of Adebisi's rise and fall in power on Oz. Um I kind of like where they're going with it. I am curious with what the future holds for uh, Bully Ray. But I, I see like it, this storyline kind of unfolding, that he is turning on the members of Ace and Eights. Uh He's getting too big for his britches. Uh, he, he thinks he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, with no ramifications. And it's leading towards a colossal fall, which is awesome because that's what should happen to a villain of this nature. So uh, as much as I've gone hot and cold 
on the storyline so far at Ace and H. Most of the time when Bully Ray is on TV, it's entertaining. I do think they are setting up in a somewhat okay way, AJ being a, a champion hero, uh, but there's going to be a colossal fall for Bully Ray, and I'm really curious to see what that fall is going to be because we're headed to Bound for Glory. You figure like that fall could happen there. It, it does make, I, I'm not going to say it, it's engaging, you know, gripping drama, but it does make for pretty good storytelling, and I'm kind of engaged as far as where they're going to go now with the character, Dave. Oh, I, I like the, um, the the analogy you brought up. I didn't watch a whole lot of odds, but I, I, I knew for the most part what you were talking about. But what's more interesting about this, this storyline with Bully Ray and the Aces and Eights is how it started and how it's ending. And it's basically like it's something he created, but it's also something he's destroying at the same time, too. He set the whole thing up to get all them guys to join up. It took them six months or a year or what have you to, to finally un- unveil the plan that he was the guy behind it. And he runs roughshod, and he takes over, and he's got his crew with him. And then when things start to, you know, crumble, he starts turning on his own guy. Like I said, he started this, and he's going to end it. And it's going to, you know, he's going to destroy his own creation in a sense. You know, he's turning on all these guys. And D'Lo, Devon, Anderson, who was the last guy out last week? Uh, Briscoe. I think it was, yeah, Briscoe. I, I couldn't stand him at West Briscoe anyways. First of all, he looks like Tarzan but wrestles like Jane. He's got a stupid <laughs> haircut. He, make, he, makes, he makes the weirdest faces. He doesn't even look like a biker. Like, he looks like – I can't even begin to explain to you what he – I just couldn't stand him at all. Like, he's, he didn't fit the role for me whatsoever. I'm glad they didn't do anything real serious with him in that storyline because he was – and his acting, his talking was all awful. Oh, I just – I can't have enough bad things to say about him because I just couldn't stand him in, in, in general. I thought Garrett Bischoff had more charisma than he did, and Garrett Bischoff was nothing to write home about either. But um, the whole thing with Bully, and it, I, just, I think it's just going to be down to, like, him and the girl. You know, Brooke Tessmach or whatever her, her name is these days. Um, I think it's just going to be down to him and her. And, you know, eventually he's going to lose the title. He'll be all on his own. But he'll just be a one-man wrecking crew after the Aces and Eights. I don't think he'll need a group. The group didn't – I mean, to be honest with you, the group was designed to help make Bully Ray a more legitimate main event player in TNA. And it didn't really help out any of the other guys. And a lot of those guys could have used the help from it. The rub, it, it didn't really make any of them a bigger star. Devon was already established, and you could say that Anderson was was established in some way. But the rest of them, like Doc and Nux and Briscoe and Bischoff and even D'Lo, like, it didn't do anything for any of those guys, in my opinion, because it just made them all look stupid. Like, there, there was maybe about three good, solid hands in that group being – Bubba Devon and Anderson, the rest of them, they were a bunch of nobodies. And it didn't and wearing the wearing the vest and being a part of that group didn't make at least to me as a fan watching it, it didn't make them any bigger than, than what they were beforehand. Um so I think that the purpose of trying to get those guys if it was that case, the purpose of trying to get those guys over by being a part of this that that at one time hot storyline for them, it didn't do anything for them. It was it it, it it made them look weaker than they already were. It really, this really benefited Bully Ray at the end of the day. 
Yeah, agreed. I mean, if nothing else, this this made Bully Ray a main eventer. If you didn't see him as that uh, before this storyline, it definitely made him a main eventer of uh, this storyline. But I again, I'm curious. I'm at least somewhat engaged to see where exactly, uh, you know, what how exactly his fall is going to come about. Let's go back out to the phones. We're talking a lot of TNA on this Monday night uh, telecast. We're going to go out to, uh, we got Dank on the line. Dank, are you there? I'm, I'm here. How are you gentlemen doing? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, well, not really following much of TNA, like, ever. I'm trying to, like, grasp here and there what seems to be a company that's barely staying afloat if I'm not mistaken. But um, going back just a little bit, you were touching on Hogan, and I was actually on uh, the internet media database.com, imdb.com, and um, they already have Dwayne Johnson slated for WrestleMania 30 as in he's going to be there already, like it's already set in stone. So I decided to look up Undertaker and then ultimately also Hogan, and how their names are not coming up under WrestleMania 30, which leads to the question, is Taker going to make another appearance this year, and is Hogan going to be there or not? And I know I said it jokingly, you know, Hogan versus Taker and I don't know if it's already happened, but what would you think on a streak match with Hulk Hogan versus Undertaker, regardless of who the referee is? But Hogan versus Taker for WrestleMania 30, or do you think that in your mind there would be a better suited match or a better suited opponent for Hogan to fight, whether he, like, if he were to come and make an appearance? At WrestleMania. I mean, theoretically, you know, the names on the marquee, uh, what they mean as far as the history of the business, yeah, I mean, Hogan versus The Undertaker, that's that's gold. That's absolute gold. Realistically speaking, though, uh, you know, everything you hear about Hogan's health, it's tough to... You know, I, I don't know if he, if Hogan really can do anything now. I mean, that's – and that's – I don't know. Uh, so it, it's tough for me to say what I love. To, if Hogan could at least be close to a, a shadow of his former self, I'd love to see him be able to have, like, one last match at WrestleMania. Uh, it might be tough, though. You got two guys, and they were talking about Hogan's help. You know, we don't know what Undertaker's help is, and, and uh, you know – Whoever wrestles Undertaker, is, is he going to have to carry Taker a little bit? Um, so as much as the names, historically speaking, would be tremendous, um, I don't think it's realistic. Uh, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, who would make sense for, and, and it's tough because Hogan's already had his match against Vince McMahon at WrestleMania. Um, I don't know if there's a match out there. Uh, you know, do we get to drag out Roddy Piper one last time and have Hogan versus Piper at WrestleMania? I don't know. It's just it, it's tough because I I don't know how much we can get out of Hogan health wise. So uh, for me, I, I think I'm more as a fan rooting for an appearance. Uh, if if he decides that there's, there's going to be a match, I just hope he really can 
can do it health-wise. I mean, your thoughts, Dave? Um, real quick before Dave, and I'm sorry. Um, actually, thinking of Hogan's health not being that great and not um, Undertaker's health not knowing where it is, wouldn't that be a good match? Because both of them know they can't go 100%, but they can no, still it's kind of boring. like... It'd be slow as shit, and it would suck, in my opinion. It would be, it would, there would be no excitement in it, because the two of them are both hurt. You'd have to hand it. You might as well just do the finger poke of doom with the two of them, like they did with Hogan and Nash in the Georgia Dome in '99. Because it wouldn't. The two of them are both banged up. You would need one person would need to carry the other. And if they're if they're both hurt, forget it. You might as well have a wheelchair race down the ramp with the two of them. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't do that. But I think you know, think, I mean, part of it is also like I mean, as a fan, and it's tough, but it's tough to see your stars. Fade and, and again, not knowing exactly where they are health wise. I mean, I, as much as I get it, and they, they made it work, but when Bret Hart wrestled uh, Vince McMahon at WrestleMania, I, I found that match depressing. And I, and I love Bret, and I love what Bret did, and, and, and I get it, you know, bringing him back one last time to kick the holy hell out of, out of Vince McMahon. It was sad to me. Like, I, I, you know, when I was watching it, I wish they didn't put him in the ring. I wish they just had him have some other role, uh, you know, on on the broadcast. So, I mean, I, again, I, I just don't know where Hogan's health is. And if you really, I mean, like Dave said earlier in the program, you know, it, sometimes it looks painful when he's just walking down to the ring. Uh I don't know. I, I think I'd rather see him in a non-wrestling role, but that, that you know, it's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I... the other the other thing too. Can I answer finally? Thank, thank you. <laughs> um, the other thing too is that um, Undertaker and Hogan have wrestled a couple times, and Undertaker has beaten Hogan a few times. And the whole mystique behind the streak itself is: Can Undertaker beat this guy? Can Undertaker hold on to the streak? Well, Undertaker's already beaten him twice without the streak being on the line. So there's really no – why would you want to pay money to see him beat this guy again when he's already done it without the streak being on the line two times prior? Um, as far as, you know, Hogan having a match with somebody, no. I don't think it's, I don't think it's in the cards. I think if he were to be in somebody's corner or be a guest referee or even a special enforcer, hell, he could even sit commentary during the main event with Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole, and it would be a big enough deal. I think just him being there in the presence at WrestleMania, the 30th edition, would be big enough. He, didn't, he wouldn't even have to be in a storyline. If you had him sitting in the front row watching the event, you know, the 30th anniversary, you get a lot of the legends, the Hall of Famers sitting there around the ringside area, that big of a deal. You know, you get a lot of the old Hall of Fame, uh, you know, Major League Baseball football players at the Hall of Fame ceremonies for professional sports. You know, big anniversary like this, get a few of them, trot a few of them out there, sit them out in the front row or at ringside, you know, make it a big deal that it's the 30th anniversary, the main event of the 30th anniversary. You could have Hogan just sit in the ringside. That would be big enough, at least for me. No, you're there, man. Okay. No, I was just um, soaking it all in. <laughs> yeah, and I see his point. I mean, um, oh. I mean, yeah, as, as fans, we always want, like, that one big match, but then we're always left with, 
one more match, why not? But yeah, if there was ever a possibility and Hogan could actually go at all, I mean, maybe a John Cena, if they want to set up something like that, since that was his hero. Um, but I, I just, to me, it's like, unless Hogan, can, I mean, he held his own in that street fight uh, against Sting, and it was very entertaining, but I think he's gotten worse since then. Uh, if you know, I just I don't want to see him like struggling to get through a match. That would be tough to watch. Thank you, always. Thanks for the call. Always thought provoking. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Yes, you will. Have a good one, guys. Thank you, Bye. And we're on a Monday night pregame raw show. And as we've told you, after our hiatus, we're going to be giving you some new and interesting segments. Uh, we got more to get into in this final half hour. What are we going to see? On Monday Night Raw, so many things going on in the WWE. But before we get into that, Dave's got today in wrestling history. This month in wrestling history, the month of September, the year was 1994. Roanoke, Virginia at the Roanoke Civic Center. WCW held the Fall Brawl pay-per-view. The War Games match pitting... The stud stable of Colonel Robert Parker, Bunkhouse Buck, Terry Funk, and the enforcer Arn Anderson against a team led by Dustin Rhodes, otherwise known as Gold Dust, the Nasty Boys, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Outcome of that match, the creator of War Games, Dusty Rhodes, had Colonel Robert Parker in the figure four, having Robert Parker submit, and Team Dusty, the Rhodes clan, ended up winning the War Games match. Now, prior to all of that, throughout the summer of 94, Dustin had a um, lengthy feud with the stud stable, going through several individuals. He had gone to Arn Anderson at one point, and Arn Anderson had befriended him and teamed with him at a Bash at the Beach pay-per-view to take on the stud stable, turning on Dustin, which then led to Dustin getting Dusty involved and then getting the Nasty Boys involved and creating this memorable War Games match. Um, it's kind of ironic because with the Rhodes family being involved in the WWE, you guys tune in this Sunday night at our pregame Battleground pay-per-view pre-show where we will do another new segment for the Ken Reedy Show, a personality profile on one American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank you. And, yes, we're going to, sorry, I misspoke, but, yeah, this month in, in wrestling history, and there you have it, we're going to keep adding to that segment. And, interesting enough, that's what we call in the business, a segue, um, big storyline going on, and it's it's amazing how things transpire in wrestling. And I do think sometimes, you know, wrestling fans can be a bit short-sighted with things. you got to let things marinate. you got to let them heat over a low heat, let it build. And, you know, how many people poo-pooed on the 18 seconds with Daniel Bryan Probably the best thing that happened in his career. That guy's star and his stock has risen since that moment. Bill uh, Poopoo, why is Rhodes off TV? What are you doing with, with Cody Rhodes? Cody Rhodes should be a main eventer. Like, what are they doing? I don't care what they're doing with Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is going to be huge now. 
what they had done with Cody Rhodes, making it personal, bringing the family in, handing Dusty a microphone, bringing back Goldust. I mean, how relevant has Goldust been over the past few years? People will pop for Goldust now. Love what they're doing with this storyline. It's an offshoot right now. The main storyline is Triple H, Evil CEO, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton surrounding the WWE title. But they've made it personal with the Rhodes family. Cody Rhodes quite possibly coming out of this, what's happening right now, is on the fast track to being a main eventer. I am loving what they're doing with this Rhodes storyline, Dave. I, I, I totally agree. I think that the Rhodes family storyline, what makes it so interesting and what makes it so compelling is that it's a personal matter. And when you get family involved, it's something that just about any viewer watching Monday Night Raw and watching WWE programming can relate to. You know, a sibling of yours is hurt. You want to stick up for that sibling, you know, whether it's your brother or your son or your father, whoever. You want to be there for that family member. And then losing your job, especially in today's economic, uh, you know, infrastructure in this country is, is a horrible thing. You know, there are people out there still that in, in this country that don't have jobs. So it's something that, you know, you could feel for somebody when they've lost their job, especially if they were humiliated publicly while they were losing their job. So I think that's why the storylines work so well. Plus, let's face it, Dusty Rhodes is a legend in this business. He he's, he's probably one of the innovators of emotion when it comes to storylines in wrestling. I mean, we, Ken, you've talked about it, and a, and a lot of people would consider the hard times promo that he had cut in the NWA for Jim Crocker Promotions to be the greatest promo in the history of wrestling. Um, because of the emotion that he evoked out of, you know, uh, in his words and through the television screen and got the viewers so invested into that storyline that they wanted to see Dusty Rhodes rise above and become, you know, the world champion at that time. With him and, you know, Goldust, a, a character that was ahead of its time, you know, in, in the, in the, in the mid-'90s, when that was, Goldust was the launch of the Attitude Era, in my opinion. And now all that knowledge passed on to as someone as talented as a Cody Rhodes and, with the, you know, with Triple H and the McMahon family, and everything, all the elements just work, in my opinion. There's, there's, they're hitting on all cylinders with this storyline, and it makes sense. And... I think it's going to lead to, to, to tonight. I think, you know, this business proposition that Triple H is proposing for the Rhodes family, I think it's going to lead to a match with the Shield at Sunday's Battleground pay-per-view, and we might see, you know, employment on the line. You know, Cody could get his job back, or Dustin could get his job back, or whatever, whatever the case is. But I think it's going to lead to a, a big match at, at the Battleground pay-per-view this Sunday. That, you know, that, that's pretty high praise, uh, giving Goldust – credit for uh, christening or bringing us into the attitude era? Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, he was one, you know, in the mid nineties, especially, you know, early 96, late 95, early 96, they were still, you know, using a lot of very cartoonish like characters. You had Doink the Clown, you had a garbage man, you had a plumber, you had Aldo Montoya. I don't even know what he was, but it looked like he had a jock strap on as a, as a, as a mask. <laughs> You had all these characters that were just so cartoonish and so corny, and you had something that was so, like, over the top but very controversial and pushed a lot of people's buttons, but it also made you want to come back for more and watch it and see what he was going to do next. It was so controversial. That was before the rise of Austin 316. I really think, in my opinion, that was the, that was the 
uh, the first shot fired for the Attitude Era. He, he was just so – it was ahead of its time. Nobody's seen anything like that before. You know, other uh, – it wasn't. It didn't come out as as they announced him as like a, a a homosexual male wrestler, but it was played off that way on multiple occasions, and it pushed a lot of buttons of a lot of people. It was it was that controversial. That's why I believe it truly was the the launch of the Attitude Era in the WWE. That's interesting. You know, I know it's part of his character that way, but it does make sense. You know, coming out of that, what what he was able to do, and it's. You know, and Dustin's an incredible competitor. You know, he did. He was a very serious character. It, it pushed hard those those homophobic buttons in this country. Uh, elicited a very visceral reaction out of fans. Uh, you know, who could forget the uh, street fight with Roddy Piper? Um, but then the character evolved and kind of became a, a goof. Uh, went through uh, an incarnation of a. Uh, you know, having a stuttering problem, basically being comic relief, and, you know, eventually being off TV. I, I, I just think what this storyline has done, outside of what it's done for Cody, and who knows what the plans are. I mean, this could be a limited run. Maybe they bring Dusty, uh, Dustin back, Goldust back, uh, you know, on a somewhat regular basis. Um, but it's given relevancy to Goldust, which I, I just think is tremendous because I do think that Goldust, uh, can be used. There, there's probably a place they could put him. And <laughs> excuse me, I'm also fighting a cold. Um, I just think the storyline is is just working so well, and it's it's great to see, you know, the Daniel Bryan Randy Orton storyline working so well, and now this offshoot occurs, and this is really really working and adding on a personal level. And I think you hit it really well, Dave. So many people are going through this, especially in this country. I mean, let's face it, management sucks. I mean, I, you know, management where, where I work, you know, they, they, they're just terrible. I wonder if they're listening. But they're, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just everyone can, can relate to, like, that, that horrible boss, that boss that, you know, claims to know what the best thing is for the company but they're so ignorant to have their heads so buried in the sand that they really don't get what's best for everyone or best for business. Um, but they have the power. Say that. So they continue to make policy, but you can't do anything about it. And it, this just is really pushing that button hard, and it's really, really working well, Dave. Yeah, I mean, it's and, – and, you know, you look at the matches that, that – you know, Randy Orton has had with Cody Rhodes and with Dustin. I mean, you know, Randy Orton also has history, too, with, you know, Dusty Rhodes as well. And, you know, he's tied into this whole corporate, new corporation takeover sort of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if Orton was somehow involved in this. But um, the matches that, you know, Goldust had, I mean, it shows he can still go better than half the guys on the roster. It's experience. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, your age and everything, it's experience. And Goldust, you know, came up and, you know, the the way that a lot of wrestlers did back when we were watching, you know, through, you know, with, with Dusty and he, he wrestled all over. And wherever you go, you get a ton of experience. A lot of these guys in the WWE now, they go to the developmental camp and then, you know, six months to a year later, they're put on TV and they don't have a whole lot of experience working different areas, working different styles. And it shows that having a guy like Goldust in there will definitely help guys like The Shield, 
you know, improve and get better. And, of course, help Cody as well. And Dusty with the charisma and the, the history he has in the wrestling business, it's I – can't, I can't have enough good things to say about it. Um, what's interesting to me about this storyline more than anything is the theory that you brought up last week. Could we see Ted DiBiase make an appearance as to, to fill in for Dusty and Dusty doesn't get involved? Because let's face it, you know, Dusty's in, almost in his 70s, I believe. Are you going to really get him out there and, you know, have him in a match? He's, he's going to tag in. He may be able to get an elbow or two in and, and, you know, do his signature stuff. But it's not going to, you know, it's not going to look too believable that a 70-year-old man like Dusty Rhodes can can beat up, you know, a few guys like The Shield. So maybe we will see Teddy DiBiase make a one-off appearance as, you know, as a friend of Cody's and, and defend the family, which I think would be pretty cool. Um it would it would definitely turn some heads because he just he just got released recently from WWE or he didn't let, he didn't uh, resign a new deal so it makes a lot of sense if he were to come back with all the other stuff that we you and I spoke about last week but this to me leans towards Cody Rhodes eventually moving past the status he was in before I, I saw it I wish it happened a couple of years prior but. After the Money in the Bank pay-per-view when Cody had that tremendous performance in that first ladder match and his stuff with Damian Sandow, I, I thought to myself, okay, Cody's definitely breaking out into the, you know, breaking out of the pack and he's going to be moving up towards, um, you know, the, the, the top of the card. And then, of course, this storyline took place and boom, that was the end of it. And now we got, you know, Cody Rhodes eventually moving up the ladder. <laughs> Through all of this, that's where I think the the the, uh, the end game is for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a title shot with, for the title at some point, or maybe this maybe this this match that they're going to book earns him a title shot if his team wins. I mean, I don't know, but I'm yeah, and, and who knows? I mean, it might be a shot for him to go from the world title. I mean, moving up the ladder. I mean, the one thing that I think a lot of fans got to recognize, like when you ask some of these guys, you know, like a Cody Rhodes who are young. You know, if, if there's plans to use them for a long period of time, you don't want to burn them out. You don't want crowds to get sick of them too soon. So I like that they've waited for Cody. And now Cody is, is making his, his move. And I'll tell you, man, if DiBiase winds up coming back and being part of this, it turns like, you know, almost the whole Internet on its ear. Because everyone like was like, look at this story, everyone, including us, posting the video of DiBiase walking away. And if that whole thing, even like Tibiasi Sr. was commenting that, you know, my, my boy is walking away from wrestling because he's got other things to do, if they had blurred the lines between reality and wrestling and Tibiasi actually comes back and this whole thing of him walking away was a work, that would be brilliant. That would make Ted Tibiasi relevant. And I think that guy's got a lot of talent. So you wind up building, you know, a couple of, you know, new young stars. It's just, it's it's working. It's working. And, and, you know, part of, I guess, what we talk about when we're comparing, like, you know, creative with TNA we are talking about earlier and WWE right now, that it seems like everything WWE is touching is working. Creatively, it's working right now. And I'm really excited. I think we're going to get some you know, real information as far as what the Rhodes family, the Rhodes family is going to be involved in some way, shape, or form in the pay-per-view on Sunday night. And uh, 
should be interesting to see what the whole family has to say tonight. We're going to go back out to the phones. What do you got to say? we got about 15 minutes until Monday Night Raw. 347-838-9815 is the number. we got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Hey, what's up, guys? What do you got for us tonight? Well, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be watching Monday Night Raw because I heard what you said earlier about TNA putting on, what you say, better matches. And let me tell you something. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan is better than that whole TNA roster put together. So, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd say that CM Punk is definitively. CM Punk is definitively. It's the best hard. in the world, bro. The best in the world. Um, and, and, and definitively in the ring. You're going to say that CM Punk is definitively better than, than Kurt Angle, AJ Styles. Heck yeah, heck yeah, definitely. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Angle, Angle. Kurt Angle, whatever his name is. Kurt Angle. Are you he's washed up, Kurt Angle. Give me a break. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, I, I mean, I respect your opinion, Ken. You're entitled to it. But I just think you're a little, I think you're a little off when it comes to that. I don't even watch TNA because TNA just bores me. Um, and as far as WrestleMania goes, um, and by the way, everybody forgets Hulk Hogan is under contract with the WWE. He signed a 20-year deal for merchandising. Hogan is still a part of WWE. Hogan will be at WrestleMania. Whether it be in a match or not, Hulk Hogan will be there because Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels will be there because Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. But a lot of people forget that it was Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon who made WrestleMania what it is and what it will be today. Just like Hulk Hogan made the WWF what it is, and now it's E what it is today. Because without Hogan, there'd be no WWE. So I I got got people telling me that's not true, but you know what? Hogan did everything that he could for wrestling, and... uh, a lot of people don't like him, you know. You, you know, people write on on the, the Ken Reedy Facebook, and and a good friend of mine and I had a debate this week, um, and and he said the same thing. He said, "Oh, Hogan's garbage," and I think that's disrespectful. Again, it's his opinion, but you know, again, Hulk Hogan was the one that made me see the light in the WWF. Without Hogan, I wouldn't have been a fan. So. And I agree with you. I mean, I think that you you can't, and I said it earlier, if if you're not going to admit to yourself as a wrestling fan, like what Hogan meant to the sport, then I I, I doubt your credibility as a wrestling fan. And And I'm not, you know, I'm not one to say that often. I mean, everyone's got their opinions. But again, I used the example before. I absolutely hate the Yankees. I, if they go, if they go 0 and 162 next year, there are many people that will be happier than me. That being said, I'm not going to stand here and say that Mariano Rivera sucks. And I think, like, you know, you, you might not, you know, Holden might not be your cup of tea. Maybe you're not crazy about his style. But you, you look at history of wrestling, there's no denying that the global phenomenon that is pro wrestling right now is that way because of what Hulk Hogan did. And and you just got to recognize his place in wrestling history. Yeah, I agree. Um also you got also you guys were talking about um speaking of wrestling history, you're talking about the war games. If you guys watched the war games and I did, 
there's a tidbit where Colonel Robert Parker pooped himself. Dusty Rhodes told a story about that, and I, I kind of thought that was uh, interesting because Colonel Rob Parker, um, who was a good, you know, good manager, they threw him in there to wrestle, but everybody knows he couldn't wrestle for crap, and uh, he got what uh, he got what was coming to him. Dave, what do you think about Hulk Hogan? What do I think about Hulk Hogan? He's arguably the, 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 the biggest attraction in the history of wrestling. He's a guy that I grew up on. He's a guy that influenced me to watch wrestling. That was the first, you know, when I, Hulk Hogan to me, there is a count on one hand list of professional wrestlers that you could go to a person who has never seen wrestling before, who, who has never watched professional wrestling before, and you could say, name one wrestler, that one of them would be Hulk Hogan. He's one of those guys that, like, he transcends outside of wrestling. With television and movies, he's a character, and and he's branded himself to be bigger than wrestling. Um, I, I've, like I said, there's, he's the reason why I watch wrestling and or why I got into it in the first place. And I, I'll say it again: having him part of WrestleMania 30, it's just, it's it's like peanut butter and jelly. You can't separate the two. It's, Oh, and I, and I agree. And the other thing I want to talk about, which you brought up, Goldust. And you know who had a big, tremendous hand in Goldust's success? Savio Vega. Savio Vega helped Goldust get over because Scott Hall didn't want um, didn't want to, to wrestle Goldust because he said, you know, my kids are going to be watching, but. Salvio Vega's like, you know what? Throw me in the corner, you know, touch me, rub me, and I'll and and and, uh, and I'll chase you away. You know, Salvio Vega used to tell him, back up into me in the corner and do stupid things to me, and I'll sell it. And to me, Salvio Vega is is a true performer because he helped Goldust. And back then, that was best for business. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. Remember, we got a. Pay-per-view pregame show this Sunday. Hope to hear from well, you I'm then. I'm going to be uh, in Buffalo, so I'll be there. I'm going to be in Buffalo. Nice. Mike, no, going letting to, you in the building? I'm going. <laughs> They're going to let me in. They're going to let you They're in? let me in because, because a good friend of mine sent me tickets, and uh, they they want me there, and I'm excited to be there. I can't wait oh, to boy. see uh, what's going to happen. We're going to mm. have the we're going to have the pregame. I'm going to be there. It's going to be crazy. I'll look for you in the week. You can give us a call from there. If not, hopefully we'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for the call. Take care, Mike. All right. Thank you very much, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Heck, Kurt Angle's better than CM Punk. Yeah, I want to know what you're going to say. I need to get that in. No, it's not really. Everyone entitled to their opinion. I just, again, to clarify, I, I just think like top to bottom and I think Daniel Bryan is, is tremendous in the ring. I think Dolph Ziggler is tremendous in the ring, but uh, to me, like TNA, the one thing, and, and yeah, it made sense when TNA was was going forward with their Wrestling Matters slogan. The problem is once they started that Wrestling Matters, it seemed like they had less wrestling. Um, if, if they really, really looked at like that statement and really went with a legit campaign of Wrestling Matters and pulled back a ton on like promos and backstage vignettes and really, really made it about the matches and kept the, the talking to a minimum just to kind of help facilitate the storylines, um, you know, maybe that would be a good direction for TNA to go in. But, uh, 
you know, getting back to the WWE, and it's funny that, like, we, we got into Monday Night Raw, of course, like, Hulk Hogan comes back into the mix. Who knows? We'll see Hogan at WrestleMania this year. But uh, we hit on the road storyline as we head into Monday Night Raw tonight. Lots of interesting things going on. Uh, the, the COO, Triple H, his whole storyline continues to unfold. Uh, what does he have in store for the Rhodes fan? What does he have in store for Daniel Bryan? We have a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday. Uh, do you think there's going to be any interesting develops, uh, developments uh, tonight as we go into this pay-per-view? I wouldn't be surprised if they name a stipulation for uh, for, for Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. I've heard... I've heard rumors that there's a possibility that they want to do a 60-minute Ironman match between the two of them at Battleground Sunday, which would lead to an indecisive finish, another controversial finish, to then get you to the next pay-per-view in three weeks, which would be Hell in the Cell. And then they would finally blow off the two of them and have a decisive champion, a decisive winner out of that. So whether it's an Ironman match or, or, or any other stipulation, I think there's going to be a stipulation added to the match tonight um, for Sunday between Orton and Bryan that will set up another screwy finish to the main event. But the trick here is, is with the two of them, you have to, you can't have another pay-per-view with a with a with a screwy finish. And because it's going to kind of turn some fans off, people are going to want to see a clear-cut, decisive winner. So they got to do it in a way where it's creative enough, where it's going to get people to tune in not only to Raw the next night, but also to buy the next pay-per-view. Uh, because if you go two months in a row without having a clear-cut winner and without having a champion, um, it, it doesn't. You know, it kind of turns some wrestling fans off. I mean, it wouldn't turn me off because. You know, all you know, bad wrestling is better than no wrestling, like you've said before. So um, that, that's what I think is going to happen with the two of them. And then we'll see some development with RVD and Del Rio. Um, tonight's the debut of Los Matadores. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure oh, with the yeah, – Yeah, I know. I'm so excited for that. Uh, <laughs> they put two Puerto Rican guys in, 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 in pretend that they're Mexican. Yeah, that's great. That's just awesome. Uh, and uh, – what else is going on? Uh, the Wyatt, I, I assume, will have a role on the show. I'm assuming that they'll do the weekly burial of Dolph Ziggler. And uh, <laughs> it should be, all in all, a pretty fantastic Monday Night Raw this evening. And interesting enough, WWE, do we find out any more? WWE uh, Twitter putting out some cryptic tweets uh, over the past week or so. Do we get any information uh, surrounding that? Does it, uh, you know, kind of pointing out Todd McFarland, uh comic book writer, does this, this signify the return of The Undertaker, or does this signify uh, an Undertaker comic book coming out? Who knows? Do we get any information on that tonight? Um, it's interesting, as you say, you know, wrestling fans, are, they're, they're thick a lot, if nothing else. And as much as, like, you know, you say if, if, there's not, if there's a screwy finish, you know, the next pay-per-view, and we don't have a clear-cut winner, and the, the title is, is held up and still vacant, you know, like you hear all the time, wrestling fans, like, do something different. Why can't there be something different going on? And, then, you know, keeping the title vacant for, for a chunk of time, that's, that's something a little bit different. Not that it hasn't been done before, but that'd kind of be cool. Title's still vacant. Uh, get a little suspense in the mix, you know, and who knows? I mean, I do think this, this feud definitely has legs. Uh, I do like the idea, as, as uh, our good friend Dr. David Rice uh, called in and uh, 
said how much you like Daniel Bryan uh, giving chase. So I think there's still a chase to be had. I don't necessarily want to see Daniel Bryan uh, win the title. And let's face it, Daniel Bryan, as much as, you know, everyone loves him and he's good and he's gold and he looks great out there, he's had two pay-per-views in a row where he's had a moment with his hand held aloft with the WWE Championship. I'd like to see something different here, whether it's a story finish, uh, whether you, you don't have either guy win, uh, you know, whether Dave Vine gets, gets that kick, there's no winner, but Randy Orton is, is the guy standing tall at the end of the pay-per-view. Um, so I look for something screwy, but we'll get all into that in our predictions uh, next week, next Sunday, for our Battleground pregame show. We got about two minutes left. In this Monday Night Raw pregame show, again, for, for Monday Night Raw pregame show, we did a lot of TNA, but hell, let's face it, when there's a chance that Hulk Hogan might be at WrestleMania 30, that's got to be talked about. So hit a little bit of that, hit a little pregame for Monday Night Raw. Looking forward to tonight on Raw, and it's, it's great, David. I know we've talked about it before, but it's three hours, and I find myself for the first time in a long time Every week, I'm really looking forward to see what's, what's going to be on Raw. And kudos to the WWE for putting in that dynamic where I'm looking forward to it tonight. Yeah, three hours, it flies by. It really flies by. And uh, they, they've got a good structure for the show, and they pace it and time it out real well, and they put the segments where they should be. And uh, they don't do as many replays. We, you know, we used to complain on the chat and on every show about they do five, seven, eight, nine, twelve replays of one segment all throughout the course of a three-hour program, and it used to drive all of us crazy. You don't see as many replays anymore, which I think is good. Um, here's another thing I'm looking forward to: the development of Big Show. Is he going to cry again? Is he who's he going to knock out this week? Uh, his character has become more and more relevant and gotten a lot more interesting lately because. There's only so much you can do to sell him as a giant, you know, and sell him as, you know, the, the world's largest athlete. Now with this, I think it's I think it's kind of working right now. I just don't want to see him cry so much. Agreed with you. So what do we see tonight? More character development for Big Show. Do we see a stipulation for Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton? What do the Rhodes family have to say tonight? What is the proposition, it's all happening now. Thank you all for tuning in to the Raw pregame show. For Dave, I'm Ken. See you Sunday. Take care, everybody.